This is the Sports Psychology Hour with Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I cannot express the gratitude what my son came and visited you. Dr. Jacobs has been in practice for 37 years as a sports psychologist. I have seen a change in youth sports in the last 10, 15 years. I've talked about it a lot on this show. The Sports Psychology Hour. The best advice on the radio each and every week. Failure and losing and screwing up is something that happens in life. It happens in sports. And I think we have to teach kids how to do that more effectively. This is where sports talk gets real. That word playing, it's gone from our society in a lot of ways with kids. And now here's your host, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Good morning, everyone. I am sports psychologist, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Welcome to our show here from Sports Radio 810 WHB, our flagship station in Kansas City. I'm here every week, ready to talk with you and delve into the topic of sports psychology, your mind, your attitude, your focus. I've been very fortunate to have been on the radio in Kansas City now for 28 years. My 18th year here at Sports Radio 810 WHB, and our show is now syndicated in a number of cities around the country, and our shows are podcasted on uh, SoundCloud, on my website, winnersunlimited.com, and also here at Sports Radio 810 WHB. And it's been exciting to, to look at the statistics the last few weeks because I've found it almost 52,000 times in the last year our shows have been replayed on the podcast pages. So a lot of people are listening to this show. I think there's a need for this show because we talk about things that aren't really talked about the rest of the week. On sports radio, we talk about your mind. And having my 39th year of work in this, I've been doing this for a long time. And one of the things that I have learned throughout my career is that you never know what's going to happen next. When it comes to sports, you just never know. My great uncle taught me a quote years ago. His son, my cousin, told it to me as well. Sports is the greatest theater in the world. Everyone knows their part, but no one knows what will happen. My uncle, Hirsch Jacobs, was the winningest trainer in horse racing history when he died in 1970. won 3,596 races. He was one of my role models growing up and learned a lot from what he did. <clears throat> you know, sports is fun. It's exciting, it's stimulating, it's depressing, it's, 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 it can be a real bummer. It can be so exciting, it can be frustrating. Every human emotion is involved in sports. This past week, we had a situation that revolves around, really, in part, what people like myself do, working with the mindset. This past week in the Steelers-Browns game, there was a huge fight. Miles Garrett ripped off Mason Rudolph's helmet, almost hit him, or hit him in the head, could have really hurt him. Defensive lineman for Cleveland. He's now been suspended for the rest of the year and fine. And really one of the ugliest things I've seen in a long, long time. Miles Garrett put out a quote after the game. Last night I made a terrible mistake. I lost my cool and what I did was selfish and unacceptable. I know that we are all responsible for our actions, and I can only prove my true character through my actions moving forward. I want to apologize to Mason Randolph, my teammates, and my organiz our organization, our fans, and the NFL. I know I have to be accountable for what happened, learn from my mistakes, and I fully intend to do so. Well, if he indeed really means that, 
then hopefully he will learn. Look, you know, athletes are people. Coaches are people. They screw up a lot because we all do. I do, you do, everybody does. That's part of life. We screw up. We make mistakes. The question is, what do you learn from it? How do you grow from it? How do you get better? When it comes to sports and when it comes to performance, I've talked on this show for years about so many factors that I feel play a key role. Preparation, focus, attitude, and competence. To me, those four words, along with a lot of other things like accountability, listening, communication, there's so many factors that play a role. But number one, how do you get prepared for what you're gonna do? Are you ready for adversity? Are you ready for conflict? Are you ready for difficulty? If you're an athlete or a coach, how well prepared are you before you go out to compete? I don't care if you're on a team. I don't care if you're playing tennis. I don't care if you're playing ping pong. Do you take the time to get mentally prepared to play? What do you do preparation-wise? Are you ready for adversity? All right, controlling your emotions in the height of competition is something we all have to learn. We can always get better at it. You know, let's face it, team sports, football, soccer, hockey, basketball, they're incredibly physical, they're incredibly emotional. Your juices get flowing, everything gets going. But how do you control it? How do you control it to the point that you don't go over the edge? In this situation, this young man went over the edge and he has a lot to learn. You know, Today, professional athletes are paid millions of dollars in many cases, not all of them. A lot of them are not making that much money. But professional athletes, if they last long enough, can provide for themselves for a long time, for, and probably for their lives. They face a lot of pressure. They face a lot of demands, a lot of expectations. And quite frankly, a lot of them are not prepared mentally to deal with it. They're not prepared mentally to handle the adversity. And that's where learning and growing about yourself is so important. How do you handle pressure? How do you handle adversity? How do you handle stress? What happens when your back's to the wall? Are you capable and able of controlling your emotions? Obviously, Miles Garrett has a lot to learn with that. So I want to get into discussions with you today. I want to see if we can get some calls in here and some discussion going about this. If you're a coach, how do you coach emotion? How do you control your emotions? How important is the psychological side, the mental side of sport for you as a coach, as an athlete, as a competitor? Do you take the time to get yourself mentally prepared? Do you take the time to get yourself in the right frame of mind before you go compete, before you're in competition? And how do you handle adversity when you're out there. How do you handle pressure? I think a lot of it has to do, as I said, with the mental aspect, with your mindset and talking and discussing things beforehand. Do you have a plan? Do you have a plan to win, a plan to lose, a plan to be behind? Why do athletes and teams choke? Why do they fall apart under pressure? A lot of it to me is because they're not prepared. 
a lot of times they take it for granted they're going to win. They get blown out. They fall behind. And they stress and freak out. You know, you've always, we've all heard the term cooler heads prevail. And I think taking the time to get mentally prepared, taking the time to get your mind in the right place has a key part of this. Preparation is about getting ready mentally, physically, psychologically, emotionally, spiritually, nutritionally. Take all the facets of what you need to do to get ready and prepare for it. What happens when you start to get ticked off, pissed off, angry? Do you let the anger, the emotion control you or do you control it? I'd like to hear from you if you're a coach, if you're an athletic director, you're a parent. How do you help your kids, the athletes that you work with, control their emotions? And what happens when you have an athlete who loses control of his emotions, his or her emotions in their sport? What do you do about it? Do we have special rules for special athletes because they're special, they get away with things? Or does the same rules apply to everybody? Mentally, it's important, I think, to teach athletes, to prepare them, to get ready for all kinds of situations. What happens when you get angry when you're a football player? What happens when you get angry when you're a soccer player? You're gonna go headbutt somebody? You're a football player, you're gonna go up and, t and try to punch someone? Emotion plays a key role in success and failure in sport. And how you control it has a key part from how you get prepared. And I think the role the coaches have. How coaches discipline athletes, teach them, and, and guide them to deal with these things. All right, I'd like to get some calls in here and see what you think. If you're an athlete and you have lost control of your emotion before in competition, I'd like to hear from you. How did you learn from it? Did you learn from it? Why did it happen? And what did you do to try to control it in the future? Or did you? Or did you just quit? Did you say, that's it, I'm done? Should Miles Garrett play anymore? Should he be done? You know, there are people talking about he should be prosecuted for assault. That's only if Mason Rudolph files charges against him, which that doesn't appear that he's going to. But how do you control your emotions on the athletic field? That's what I want to get into today and what involves doing that. I think it's about preparation. It's about how you prepare, how you talk about things, discuss things, and have a game plan mentally to deal with it. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I'm here every week, and I want to hear from you. If you're a coach, you're an athlete, you're a parent, you're a fan, get your thoughts on this. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist, with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. 
That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development. Our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com slash radio. That's winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com slash radio. The world of youth sports has grown tremendously in the last few years. And with that growth comes questions. What's the right age to let my child start playing? When should winning and losing become important? And how can the youth sports experience be fun? These questions and many more are addressed head-on in sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs' book, Just Let Him Play, guiding parents, coaches, and athletes through youth sports. Written with Major League Baseball pitcher Jeff Montgomery and Hall of Fame swimming coach Peter Malone, Just Let Him Play tackles the issues that make youth sports increasingly difficult for parents, coaches, officials, and especially kids. Just Let Him Play explains the importance of winning and losing, success and failure, and why it's okay when not every athlete gets a trophy. For more information and to get your copy of Just Let Him Play, go to winnersunlimited.com and click products. That's winnersunlimited.com and click products. One more time, for your copy of Just Let Him Play, go to winnersunlimited.com and click products. Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with a sun protection factor, or SPF, of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. UVA rays age the skin, UVB rays burn, and both cause cancer. But the perfect sunscreen doesn't count if you use it wrong. Don't need sunscreen on a cloudy day? Wrong. 80% of UV rays still get through the haze. Only use sunscreen at the beach? Nope. Anytime you're outside, UV rays attack the skin, so you need protection. And you have to reapply sunscreen every two hours. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Over the years, you've brought them into your home. You were prescribed opioids after the C-section, when dad injured his back, when your basketball star tore his ACL. Opioids helped with the pain, and you held on to them, just in case. But did you know holding on to unused opioids puts your family at risk? Opioids are powerful pain-reducing prescription medicines, but most people who are prescribed opioids don't finish their prescriptions. So millions of unused opioids are sitting in homes across the country. And tragically, more than 100 Americans die every day from overdoses involving opioids. What can you do to protect your family? Remove the risk of unused opioids from your home. Pills, patches, or syrups in drawers, purses, and cabinets. Anywhere they might be hiding. To find out how to dispose of them properly, visit www.fda.gov slash drug disposal. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everyone. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHP in Kansas City. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. 
I'm here every week talking about the mental side of sports. And today's topic is this, the whole issue of emotion in sports. How do you control your mind? And what does it take to do that? We're going to go to the phones in a moment and talk to Brad, our first caller of the day. But I want to ask you, if you're a coach, you're a parent, you're an athlete, how do you get mentally prepared to deal with adversity? In light of what happened this past week with the Cleveland Browns-Pittsburgh Steelers game where Miles Garrett, defensive end for Cleveland, ripped off Mason Rudolph's quarterback of the Steelers' helmet, hit him on the head. He's now been suspended for the rest of the year, and there's talk of him even being charged with assault. How do you control your emotions when they get the best of you, when they start to come up, when they start, you can feel that fire burning inside, how do you slow it down? Let's go to the phones, let's see what Brad has to say. Brad, good morning, sir, how are you? I'm good, how are you doing? Great, thanks for calling in, get your opinion. Um, well, I just wanted to say I'm, I'm a relatively uh, new coach and father, so. Um, well, congratulations on both of those. Thank you very much. Um, uh, personally, I don't think um, I've re- really had to deal with um, um, severe emotions from, like, uh, my team and even my children yet. I've only really had to control my own emotions. Um, but thankfully, I mean, I really actually have never been in that kind of situation with my team well, what age do you coach? What what sport is it? Girls or boys? What uh, give us some details? It is um, a seventh grade uh, boys basketball. Okay, so thirteen year olds, four to twelve, thirteen, yes. fourteen year olds. Okay, that's correct. All right, and how long have you been coaching? I've been coaching a couple of years. Okay, and you said you've had to control your emotions more than maybe the kids. Um, I would say so. That is the case. Um, Give us an example of maybe where, where something happened where you had to get a grasp on yourself. Well, um, I find myself when it comes to coaching, I'm the same way when it comes to watching. You know, I'm that kind of fan that, um, in a sense, where, you know, you're watching the refs and some some things don't go your way. Uh, that's the kind of... Uh, that's the kind of stuff that I need to uh, bottle up and pr- probably need to um, figure out a better way to go at it. Um, Give us an example, maybe, where you've gotten frustrated, which, which, of course, is very easy to do when it comes to referees because, you know, if you're a fan or a coach and you don't agree with the referee, it can be pretty frustrating. So, so tell us what the situation where that's happened with you. Um, well, um, most of the time it would be where – you know, I would disagree with the call, and and honestly, I would just react like, you know, if I seen something, I would say, you know, travel. You know, I would say it kind of out loud, but not, you know, loud where everyone would be like, whoa, what's he doing? But, um, and then, you know, sometimes the referees would stop the game and have to talk to you. Um, to calm you down. To calm me down, but it's not where I would think uh, anger came into um, uh, came into effect. But um, being a new coach, I thought maybe they were just trying to um, show me or show me up, or in a sense trying to figure me out and something like that. But um, 
and also. Well, how do the um, how do the excuse me? How do the kids you're coaching respond when that happens? Being a uh, a really new coach, um, they they were just kind of silent. Um, but you know, when the game came on, um, it actually was a really close game um, coming down to the wire, and you know, we got to the point where we had battled back after a um, a big deficit, and it was getting really intense. And uh, at, at the very end, there was a a, a foul or a timeout, and the clock clock kept running. And um, there was a situation where I brought it up, and uh, um, you know, that was the case where um, they actually looked, they adjusted the clock, and and you know, with uh, some other situations, got heated down the end, and and we ended up losing, but. Um, you know, I, I definitely got emotional with my team because I was pretty proud of them. But uh, um, and they seemed fairly uh, happy with the outcome because um, that was a really tough game. You know, seventh grade is the time, and we've talked about it in our book. Just let them play, guiding parents, coaches, and athletes through youth sports that I co-wrote with Jeff Montgomery and Pete Malone. We talk about you know middle school, junior high age is when score and winning start to in our opinion that's the time when they it should start to come into play really before that mm-hmm. in our opinion it just shouldn't matter and so yeah you're going to get heated in, in in the moment um but it's important that you as as the leader as the coach as the role model you've got to be in control of that and one of the things i found with throughout my years and years working with teams with coaches and managers when it comes to umpires or referees or officials you know you can sit there and argue and yell and scream at them all you want. They're not going to change the call. Um, so I think there's a time to talk to them, a time not to. And you also have to look at how you handle yourself based on the fact that you're coaching all these kids because they're they're going to look at you. And for years on this show, I've talked about scenarios where there have been professional or collegiate coaches who've lost it on the sidelines. And then that week, you hear about youth sport coaches who do the same thing. Mm-hmm. And I've heard it. Well, well. I mean, the Iowa basketball coach a couple times in the last few years has lost control of his emotions. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Are you an athlete, competitor, or ordinary individual who wants to learn how to relax, build confidence, and think more positively? Then the 20 Minutes to Success series of digital downloads and audio CDs from sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs are perfect for you. 20 Minutes to Success will teach you techniques to help you succeed. Dr. Jacobs covers topics like deep breathing for better focus, confidence building, and positive visualization. The 20 Minutes to Success series includes programs for individual sports like swimming, running, tennis, and baseball. You can also target overall athletic performance or relaxation. For more information and to get 20 minutes to success on digital download or CD, go to winnersunlimited.com and click products. That's winnersunlimited.com and click products. One more time, to get 20 minutes to success, go to winnersunlimited.com and click products. 
Hi, Grandma. What's for dinner? Hey, honey, I'm making stew tonight. Ooh, can Nina come over? I'm not sure about our new friend. I wonder if there's been any drinking going on. Alcohol at her age can lead to so many bad things. I've been meaning to ask you, what would happen if someone offered you a drink? Grandma! This is hard. She's so young. But I know I need to talk to her about it now before someone tries to give her alcohol. If anyone ever does offer you a drink, I want you to say no. I have too much respect for my family and I don't want to get in trouble. Okay. Really? I promise, Grandma. I love you too. Okay, how about tasting this stew and telling me what you think? Mmm. Some children may try alcohol as young as nine years old. It's not too early to talk about drinking. For tips on how to begin the conversation, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. That's underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. This message brought to you by SAMHSA and this station. All right, crew, let's get her dug. Honey, you want to give me a hand? I'm planting that tree, remember? No matter how large or small your digging project may be, no matter how urban or rural, you must always call 811 before any digging project. 811 is our national one-call number, alerting your local utility companies to come out and mark any lines they have near your dig site. You must call 811 at least two to three business days before any digging project, so you can avoid hitting our essential buried utilities. This includes natural gas and petroleum pipelines, electric, communication cables, and water and sewer lines. So before you do this, or this, make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811 brought to you by Common Ground Alliance. If you suffer from COPD symptoms like shortness of breath and fatigue, where do you turn? There are medications and oxygen, but do you know about pulmonary rehab? Three out of five COPD patients have never heard of it. Pulmonary rehab is an exercise, education, and support program that gives you tools to manage your condition, and Medicare typically pays for it. So whether it's grocery shopping on your own or just walking across the room, pulmonary rehab can help you. Visit livebetter.org to find out about your options for pulmonary rehab today. Here's farmer and landowner John Prue. We purchased the land about three years ago, and there was an old farmstead on there with trees. We were going to clear the land so we could farm through it. We thought we knew where the pipe was, so we didn't call to get it located. The work on our property led to the damage of a light crude pipeline. Fortunately, no one was hurt, but it could have been much worse. Never assume the location or depth of underground lines. Always call 811 or visit clickbeforeyoudig.com before you start work. A message from the Pipeline Operators for Ag Safety Campaign. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. We're on the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station Sports Radio 810 WHB. In Kansas City. Look forward to doing this show with you each week as we talk about psychology. And uh, last caller is the reason we do this show. Brad's a new father, new coach. He's talking about how to handle adversity as a coach, how to deal with his emotions. So if you're a coach, do you talk to your team? Do you prepare your team mentally for scenarios where they may get a little bit ticked off. Do you take the time as a coach to talk about those things with your athletes? Or do you just focus more on plays and fundamentals? 
how much time do you take getting your team mentally ready to compete? And what do you talk to them about in terms of confidence? You know, one of the most common questions I've been asked in my 39 years of work, Doc, how do, how do I build my confidence up? I have no confidence. It's gone. Well, first of all, your confidence isn't gone. You have to have confidence you wouldn't get out of bed in the morning. But how you feel about yourself can go up and down like a yo-yo. And so one of the key things that I always talk with athletes about and coaches about is how you really take the time to mentally prepare for competition. You know, throughout my years of work, I've had coaches who haven't believed in all this stuff. They say it's a bunch of bunk. You just go out and play, you don't think. Well, I don't think that's the way you look at it. I think you have to take the time mentally to get ready. I've had many, many coaches call this show. One of my good friends, Al Saunders, used to, originally was the head coach of the Chargers, has coached here in Kansas City with St. Louis and then won the Super Bowl when the Rams were there. He's coached a number of teams around the league. He's called. He used to call the show up years ago on the way in Arrowhead. And Al would talk about how important mental preparation was, how important it was to take the time to really talk with your athletes. I know a lot of the athletes I met, a lot of them who he coached, and said they loved working with him because they talked about the mental aspect, how you feel, how you handle your emotions. So I'd like to hear from you. If you're a coach, how do you coach emotion? How do you coach mental preparation? In light of the scenario that happened in Cleveland with the, with, with the, the Browns and the Steelers this week, with Miles Garrett ripping off Mason Rudolph's helmet and now being suspended for the rest of the year. I mean, he didn't want to be suspended for the rest of the year. And if he really means what he said in the quote I mentioned earlier, that last night I made a terrible mistake, I lost my cool, and what I did was selfish and unacceptable. If he really means that, he will grow and learn from that and become a better player if he's allowed to play. I mean, who knows what the NFL is going to do with him in the future. The emotional part of sports is what fuels us, what motivates, it's what motivates us, but it can also stymie us and become the biggest barrier in your performance. You know, you can learn all the moves, you can learn all the plays, you can learn how to rebound, how to pass, how to catch, how to, how to throw, how to run, but you've got to learn mentally how to deal with your emotions. I'd like to hear from you. If you're a coach and you have had to learn how to control your emotions on the sidelines because that's been a frustration for you. Give me a call. I'd like to hear how you've dealt with that, if you have. And have there been situations where you've lost it? And then what happens when you lose it as a coach? Well, the kids you're coaching might lose it too. You know, we had a caller a couple weeks ago. Brian from Montgomery, Alabama called in, listens to our podcasts, and he was talking about a situation with his 10-year-old son's football team where the coach quit because the father got so verbally abusive and threatening, the coach just quit. You know, emotion plays such a key role in success and failure in, in, in everything we do, but when it comes to sports, if you don't have a psychological, emotional grasp on who you are and how you're going to handle these situations, there's probably a pretty good chance you're not going to do as well as you want.
right, I'd like to hear from you if you're a coach. You've had an athlete who gets maybe a little bit extra emotional during a game. What do you say to them? How do you handle it? How do you try to get them to calm down? Or do you like it when they get all hyped up? If you're an athlete and you've lost control in a game before, you've lost control of your emotions before, how do you pull them back? You know, let's face it, if you play, especially in team sports, in team sports, it's so easy to get caught up in the emotion. Individual sports, you know, you, you have time to, to slow down. If you're playing tennis or golf or bowling or swimming, you have time in between events, in between points, you can slow down. In a team sport, it's harder to do because there's the crowd, there's the noise, there's the excitement, there are your teammates. It's really difficult to do that. Let's go back to the phones. Let's see what Randy has to say. Randy, good morning. How are you? Hey, Dr. Jacobs. How are you? Great. Thanks for calling in. Uh, actually, I'm taking my daughter to a soccer game right now. So, uh, Well, hopefully the light, it'll be sunny out when you get to the, the field. I don't think it's going to be sunny, so <laughs> that's okay. It'll be a little chilly, but it's all right. Hey, uh, I actually uh, coach uh, youth wrestling and high school wrestling. have uh, coached some high-level wrestlers, went, to, went on to win Division One national titles, but I've had, uh, as I was when I was younger, I've coached 29 years. Uh, when I was younger, I had some pretty good athletes, and some had uh, I would call uh, anxiety-induced asthma. So I figured out as I as a coach, the more excited that I would get in heated situations, that all of a sudden my athlete would need asthma. He need to take a break. He needs an inhaler. So uh, I, I realized real, I guess hopefully, no, I wouldn't say it was real quick, but that. The calmer I stayed in, t- in tough situations, the better my athletes were uh, you know, could compete because they 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 look they're obviously they're pleasers. They want to please coaches. They want to please their parents. And if we stay calm, it uh, allows them uh, a better opportunity to do that. So it's it's definitely a tough lesson to learn. But, how long How long did it take you to figure that out? Whoo, man! It, uh, some years. I will be honest. It took me some years to to figure that out. And the older they got, the real I realized. Man, I was doing a detriment to them by my actions and my animations on the side of the, on the side of a mat. Um, it was uh, it was a good lesson to learn, but definitely I see young coaches now that don't get it. Um, I've actually shared some messages with them, and hopefully they learn a little quicker than I did. Well, first of all, I want to thank you for calling in and sharing your story with us. I think that's a great lesson for a lot of people to hear. But here's the key thing with this, Randy. You know, a lot of people don't take the time to really look at their emotions and the role they play. They just focus on, like you said, you're a wrestling coach. Well, here, here's what we're going to do a half Nelson. Here's what you got to do. Instead of focusing on how are you going to feel mentally. Did you take time to really mentally prepare your athletes before they went on the mat? Absolutely. I mean, we, we, we're, pretty, uh, we're pretty successful. So, well, obviously, uh, if you won a title, you were, yes. Yeah, we, we, we kind of look at the mental side of things. I mean, obviously, being youth. Uh, kids, uh, even with my daughter and, and her being an athlete and uh, realizing that younger, uh, as me saying stuff from the sidelines or just being a parent, the more she would look at me or respond to me when she should probably just be responding to the game. So I learned real quick just to be a parent, just smile and, and just ask her to give good effort, and that's it. And results are results, and uh, get better the next time they play. How old's your daughter? She's 13 now. Okay, so... When you get back in the car after the game, do you talk about the game or you just tell, ask her where you want to go eat? 
where we want to go eat. And, we, and we, the game comes up. I mean, obviously, we, effort or she'll say she'll bring up a, a scenario whether or not she made me made me the right decision. But she and brings learned, she brings it up, not you. For the most part, yeah. I mean, I think it's a conversation we bring up. You know, me and my wife will just say, "Hey, great game. The effort was you know played really hard." Or, uh, but it's not. Uh, I would say that's grown to be that way. I, I caught myself early on of. You know, trying to be dad and uh, instructor, and it didn't work out so well. Right. Yeah. That's 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 why I said that because you know, in our book I mentioned earlier, just let him play. We talk about that. The what you say in the car after the game, and if if you know, usually the best thing to do is really not talk about the game at all. Just talk about we're going to go eat, let's go home, whatever. But not get into not get into instruction and stuff like that because the last thing a kid wants to hear from their parent when they get in the car is what they did wrong, especially. Right. Well, listen, I want to thank you for calling in. Sounds great, great comments, and it sounds like you've really uh, grown a lot as a person, as a coach from all this stuff, and it, it probably is making you a better father along the way, too. So uh, I hope so. So I appreciate your show. Well, thank you, sir. Good luck, and uh, congratulations on your accomplishments. Appreciate your call. Have a great day. All right. Great call. The role of emotion in sport. Here we're talking about it, how you handle it, and it's about preparation. It's about getting ready. I want to hear from you if you're a coach, just like Randy. If you're a parent, how do you handle your emotion on the sideline? If you're an athlete or if you're an official, let's face it, officials are people. You know, they do have emotions. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development, our priorities to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com radio. That's winnersunlimited.com radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com radio. Here's farmer and businessman James Wood. We farm about 3,500 acres. There's pipelines everywhere. The contractor working on my property did not have the lines located before he began work, and it resulted on a strike on a natural gas pipeline. Fortunately, no one was hurt, but it could have been much worse. Never assume the location or depth of underground lines. Always call 811 or visit clickbeforeyoudig.com before you start work. A message from the Pipeline Operators for Ag Safety campaign. All across the country, people are coming together to speed up what we can learn about health. The All of Us Research Program is calling on one million people to join us as we try to change the future of health. For your family, for future generations, for all of us. Visit joinallofus.org and find out how you can become one in a million.
Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with a sun protection factor, or SPF, of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. UVA rays age the skin, UVB rays burn, and both cause cancer. But the perfect sunscreen doesn't count if you use it wrong. Don't need sunscreen on a cloudy day? Wrong. 80% of UV rays still get through the haze. Only use sunscreen at the beach? Nope. Anytime you're outside, UV rays attack the skin, so you need protection. And you have to reapply sunscreen every two hours. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Good morning, everyone. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. Hope you're enjoying our show this morning. We're talking about the mental side of sports and how you get prepared and how do you deal with emotion in light of the scenario that happened this past week with the Steelers-Browns game where Cleveland Browns defensive and Miles Garrett ripped off Mason Rudolph, the Steelers quarterback's helmet, slammed him on his head and then was tackled and pounced on and punched and a fight ensued. Players were fined. Both teams were fined. And Miles Garrett has now been suspended for the rest of the year. And, you know, there's talk about filing assault charges against him. Well, that's only going to happen if Mason Rudolph does that, which I don't think he's going to based on everything I've read. But you have to ask the question. When your emotions spill over when you're playing a game, why? Why can't you control that? Why do your emotions get so out of control? I think a lot of it is because you don't take the time to really prepare. As a coach, I think it's your responsibility. And you, you look, when you're coaching a bunch of kids, a bunch of young men or women, you don't know everybody that well. Hopefully you know them somewhat. You know what turns them on, what turns them off, what motivates them, what distracts them, what stresses them. And I think it's your job in part to really help them, guide them, direct them to deal with these things. As a sports psychologist, I work with the mind, how it works, how it doesn't work. And one of the things that I've done throughout my 39 years of work is help people try to understand themselves. When you're faced with adversity, what are you going to do? I've had adversity in my life. We all do. I haven't exactly been stellar all the time. There have been situations that I've screwed up in. But there have been situations where I've done fine. And a lot of it's, I think, how you learn. So when you're playing sports, when the pressure's on, when the stress is on, how do you handle that? I think a lot of that has a lot to do with how you get prepared. Mentally, emotionally, spiritually, nutritionally, psychologically. How do you get ready? And that's where I think coaches' roles start with communication, talking, 
sharing, discussing emotions, discussing what it's like when you're stressed, when you're frustrated, when you're angry. All those factors to me play a key role in how an athlete's gonna perform under pressure. Still plenty of time left to hear from you if you're a coach or an athlete. If you have played sports, you've participated in sports, you've coached sports, and your adrenaline, your juices start flowing, you start to get a little bit ticked off. What do you do to put a grasp on that, to, put, to, to, to grasp that, to, to grip it, to control it, instead of letting it get out of control? Let me use a great example that I saw years ago. My co-author, one of my co-authors of my book, Jeff Montgomery, Kansas City Royals Hall of Famer, has the record for most saves in the Royals history, and a great person. Jeff, four kids, raised them all with his wife, Tina. After he retired, decided to coach youth baseball and coached a competitive team. My older son, Jonathan, this is sixth grade, tried out for the team, made the team. He was one of the last kids on the team, but he did make the team. And I saw a situation during the year with Jeff where he handled something extremely well. Had a young man who was very emotional. And Jeff would talk to this guy. But he also had some rules. He says, look, to the team, here's how you handle yourselves on the mound. Well, this young man lost control. He walked a guy, took his glove and slammed it down. Jeff called timeout, went out to the mound, talked to him very calmly. And basically said, look, if you do it again, you're gonna have to come out of the game went over and told his parents. They got it. Next inning, same thing happened. Slammed his glove down. Jeff went out and said, look, you're gonna have to go, have to go off the game, go out of the game, sit in the bench. Young man was crying, he was all upset, but they talked about it, they worked on it, and he spent time with this young man discussing why that happened. And this young man had some issues, and he had to learn to deal with that. But as a manager, as a coach, he discussed guidelines and rules and what was acceptable, what wasn't, but he didn't get angry at him. He didn't lose control at him. He was very calm about it. And I think good, successful coaches handle their emotions that way. They don't get caught up in the emotion of things to the point because if, when you're a coach, you're a teacher, you're a guide, you're, you're, you're a director, you're a psychologist, you're a disciplinarian, but you've gotta have a grasp on yourself first and foremost because if you don't, it's gonna carry over to the kids you're coaching. And you know, our first caller mentioned the scenario dealing with, with referees. And I'm gonna have a referee, an official on this show here in the upcoming weeks, so we're gonna talk about this. Because I think it's really important to understand as a coach, as an athlete, what's the best way to deal with officials, referees, umpires. They're human too. You know, we forget that. I think we, we just think these, you know, you watch the NFL and there's all this controversy about the officiating in the NFL, about the calls that are being made. These guys are people. They've got feelings and emotions, but they've got, they've got to be able to handle themselves. They've got to be able to handle the adversity they're faced with. And it's not easy for them sometimes too. Because let's face it, the only time you notice an official or an umpire, referee, is when you think they've screwed up a call. Otherwise, you don't even know they're there. 
but they've got to deal with that themselves. They've got to go live their lives. There was a scenario here in Kansas City years ago where at a high school football game, Mark Mangino, the KU football coach at the time, was watching his son play. Son was playing quarterback. His son was knocked down in a clean hit. And Mangino was on the sidelines of the game where he was should not have been. Then chased the referees into the referee's locker room and was pounding on the door after the game, threatening them. I happened to have that, ref, uh, that referee on my show the next week. And he said they were in this metal room. He was scared to death. He says Mangino, being a very large man, was banging on the wall, on the door and screaming and yelling at him. He said it was a pretty scary situation. But they had to handle it. How you handle your emotion. You know, and here, here's the head coach of the university. At major university is a football, football coach. And a good coach. Successful coach. But also a controversial coach. How you handle your emotions in the end plays a key role in success and failure. So as a head coach, as an assistant coach, I think it's important for you to take the time to mentally prepare yourself and your team for competition. And talk about feelings. Talk about anger. Talk about ecstasy, you know, excitement when you're out there on the, on the field. How are you going to handle it? How are you going to deal with it? If you take the time to do that, I can promise you it will help the athletes you're working with and help you deal with situations better. Hope you enjoyed the show today. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I'm here every week. We talk about the mental side of sports on this show. There are a lot of ways you can reach me. You can, first of all, you can give me a call at my office at 816-561-5556. I talk about these topics all the time. And I work with people on dealing with these issues. You can follow me on Twitter at, at DRJSportsPsych, at DRJSPRTPSYCH. My website is winnersunlimited.com, W-I-N-N-E-R-S, unlimited.com. Send me an email at DRJ at winnersunlimited.com. Our shows are podcasted here at Sports Radio 810. Go to the additional programming tab and click it on and they're also podcasted on my website and also on soundcloud i'm sports psychologist dr andrew jacobs hope you enjoyed the show this is the sports psychology hour from our flagship station sports radio 10 whb have a great week you've been listening to the sports psychology hour for more information go to winnersunlimited.com I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development, our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com radio. That's winnersunlimited.com radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com radio. 
Over the years, you've brought them into your home. You were prescribed opioids after the C-section, when dad injured his back, when your basketball star tore his ACL. Opioids helped with the pain, and you held on to them, just in case. But did you know holding on to unused opioids puts your family at risk? Opioids are powerful pain-reducing prescription medicines, but most people who are prescribed opioids don't finish their prescriptions. So millions of unused opioids are sitting in homes across the country. And tragically, more than 100 Americans die every day from overdoses involving opioids. What can you do to protect your family? Remove the risk of unused opioids from your home. Pills, patches, or syrups in drawers, purses, and cabinets, anywhere they might be hiding. To find out how to dispose of them properly, visit www.fda.gov slash drug disposal. Hi, Grandma. What's for dinner? Hey, honey, I'm making stew tonight. Ooh, can Nina come over? I'm not sure about our new friend. I wonder if there's been any drinking going on. Alcohol at her age can lead to so many bad things. I've been meaning to ask you, what would happen if someone offered you a drink? Grandma! This is hard. She's so young. But I know I need to talk to her about it now before someone tries to give her alcohol. If anyone ever does offer you a drink, I want you to say no. I have too much respect for my family and I don't want to get in trouble. Okay. Really? I promise, Grandma. I love you too. Okay, how about tasting this stew and telling me what you think? Mmm. Some children may try alcohol as young as nine years old. It's not too early to talk about drinking. For tips on how to begin the conversation, visit underagedrinking.samsa.gov. That's underagedrinking.samhsa.gov. This message brought to you by SAMHSA and this station.